Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. This is Oilers Now. And uh, we are going to tell you, Roos Chris Steakhouse, the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated for, uh, what, it's got to be at least 15 years now. Open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie Taylor, and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. We are going to head off to our headliner today for touchback safety. When it's time for safety training, trust the experts at touchbacksafety.com. Your safety is their goal. From the NHL Network, former general manager Tampa Bay Lightning for years uh, ran one of the biggest agencies in the business. That would be Octagon. We welcome back to the show Brian Lawton. Hello, Brian. How you doing? Doing great, Bob. How are you? Good. I just saw Seth Jones destroy, and I mean destroy, uh, Victor Hedman with a hit. What's that? Absolutely. Absolutely annihilated him. I had to think, it's not a cheap shot. It's a great play by Seth Jones and John Tortorella. He loves that stuff. So do the rest of your teammates. But Victor oh, been, was in a he was in a position that's not that comfortable for him, and he got absolutely leveled. Uh, Seth Jones just threw him into the boards as hard as you can throw someone into the boards. Speaking of Seth Jones... Uh, let's talk a bit about Caleb Jones, uh, because I think we both agree the Oilers need to change the dynamic uh, on their defense carrying forward. I mean, Edmonton had five of the same six defensemen that they had in the playoff series against the Ducks back in 2017, uh, playing this playoff series at least to start before Larson couldn't play Game 3 and Game 4, and ironically, that's when Jones got in. And, uh, you know, he had exceptional shot metrics in the series. Uh, ridiculous, frankly. To me, he plays a simple, effective game with athleticism and skating ability. Uh, give me your thoughts on uh, Caleb and maybe where this player could potentially go. Uh, very high on Caleb Jones. I think he, you know, first of all, the Oilers, uh, you know, they signed him for a couple more years. Very reasonable economical contract. 
really going to pay dividends for them, in my opinion, and for Seth. A lot of times when you see a player take a contract like that, it just kind of guarantees they're going to be in the NHL, and now he can carve his way as to what type of player he can be. I happen to think he has a lot more to give than we've seen. Um, that's pretty good pedigree he's got there. Obviously, Seth is a heck of a player. His dad, of course, was an incredible NBA defender. There's a lot of athleticism in that family. And, you know, from the due diligence that I've done on Caleb, you know, it's been a little bit of a rocky road in terms of maturity. But I think he made some huge strides in the last 18 months. And now you're starting to see the play be reflective of that because all the skills are there. The hockey IQ is there. It's just a matter of developing into being a really good pro. And I think he's on his way to that. And I think that's going to bode really well for Edmonton because this is a guy that, in my opinion, can play in your top four. He's right on the cusp of that. And See, and I, I, he'll be I'm complete- a good top four player. Yeah, and I'm I'm completely comfortable right now saying, look, he, you know, he can step in and be in the third pairing next year. I'd have absolutely, I mean, bottom line here, Brian is when he was on the ice, the Oilers outscored and outshot the opposition five on five in the playoff series or whatever qualifier against Chicago, twenty one to three, twenty one to three, right. Brian is what the shots were for the Oilers. They had a game in uh, Vancouver a couple of years ago. They had Kevin Gravel and Caleb Jones together, and the shot attempts were 20 to 1 for Edmonton when those guys. Is there something to be said for, like, Caleb's got athleticism, but is there something to be said for simplicity and a defenseman understanding that sometimes less is more? Uh, Absolutely. And for guys, you know, as they're trying to make it, the biggest thing you can do is ask them to kind of focus on the red line back. Let's start there and not worry about anything so much offensively. Let's be really efficient in our own zone. Uh, let's walk before we run. Uh, and once they get that, because Willie Mitchell is probably the greatest example ever of this type of teaching. I watched uh, Jacques Lemaire work with Willie Mitchell, and it was a thing of beauty. Uh, he just built his game up incredibly. I think Edmonton's coaching staff put some of that foundation, continued some of the things that Todd McClellan and his staff were doing, and we're seeing better results, and we're going to continue to see better results with Caleb. Well, I mean, you look at what's happened here, and uh, the Oilers, you know, struggle to develop defensemen. Some people would say they moved one right shot for sure. I, I think the general consensus is, you know, a lot of fans, you know, thought Petrie could still grow. I think there were some concerns about Justin Schultz's overall game. He was going to have a very uh, good chance to win an ARP case as well when the Oilers dealt him to Pittsburgh. Interestingly enough, he's a uh, unrestricted free agent. But the Oilers have Broberg and Bouchard. Bouchard and Broberg coming. Maybe we'll do it that way in terms of, you know, when they're going to arrive because Bouchard's probably, even though Broberg outplayed him early in training camp this year, Bouchard's a better bet next year. They've got a guy like Sam Rukov. There's a couple other prospect defensemen. Uh, Dave Manson and Paul Coffey. Dave on a full-time basis. Paul on a part-time basis. Jay Woodcroft. have got to receive some credit for the growth and development that's occurred with Ethan Bear. And Caleb Jones and the scouts have got to get some credit for finding those guys in around, you know, Baron around five and Jones around four. I would suggest that defense might be an area that the Oilers are starting to show some improvement in developing and drafting wise. Uh, would you agree or disagree with that? 
No, I absolutely agree, and I have to give Ken uh, Holland a lot of credit just for kind of taking a little bit longer approach. You know, everything's always kind of been, when you haven't had the seasons, you know, that the Oilers would like to have had and you have such a rich history, you're always in a hurry to get back there. One thing that hiring Ken Holland did is it allowed everybody to reset and just kind of take a step back. Ken's going to do things his way. He's very methodical. There's no reason why he wouldn't do it that way. He already has experience doing it in Detroit and having tremendous success. So that's going to be a great thing, in my opinion, for this organization. Just patience, particularly with the D. Evan Bouchard, yeah, I know Broberg came in. He got you know a little bit more praise maybe in this restart. Um, but I'm pretty bullish on him. He, to me, Oiler fans should be thinking about Bouchard the way that the Islanders are utilizing Pulak and Pellick today. Because there's some similarities between all three of those guys. And if you rush these kids, you can never end up with the product that Pulak and Pellick are. Well, Pulak and I know was... that if you look at the DNA, if you look at the DNA, though, Bob, because you and I have talked about this, of the Oilers. Yep. The greatest teams in Oilers history were a bunch of young guys that had incredible talent, that came in and were allowed to make mistakes on the job. That worked yes. really well back then. And they grew together, and it was a thing of beauty. It was magical. It's not as standardized or normal in today's NHL. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, Pollock there for a while, I mean, he was a 15th overall pick. He had the big bomb from the point, but they did not rush him. And I look at... Uh, Bouchard, who's represented by Jeff Jackson, the same uh, agent that has Connor McDavid. And if I'm, and put your agency hat on here, you're watching Adam Bo, imagine if you were representing Bouchard and Boquist and Bouchard were both in London a year ago and Bouchard was the cornerstone defenseman of that team and Bouchard did not have a disappointing year in the American League. He had a real good second half to the year. And you're seeing Boquist playing with Duncan Keith in Chicago. You're probably thinking of yourself as the agent of Bouchard. My guy was better a year ago. He probably was better in the minors. You know, what gives here? Let's. And then you're watching an Oiler team struggle to transition the puck. Um, what, what goes through the minds of an agent in that situation where you want to push, but you still want the team to do their thing as well? Uh, Jeff would be going crazy with that one. And I know Jeff, and he's got great balance. I've played in the league. He's a former teammate of mine. Uh, those are, you're just talking about two different philosophies. That's all it is. And, you know, Chicago certainly had a lot of success. Um, they brought along Keith and Seabrook nicely, but they also had a lot of years to right. matriculate. You know, so, uh, they both can be right depending on the player, but I personally prefer the way Ken's doing it. It's the hardest thing to do when you're managing a club is be patient. And yet the value, you know, the reason why you pay Ken $5 million bucks or $4 million bucks or whatever it is, a very nice salary as general manager, is because he has the confidence to do things the right way with a long-term view. That's what the Oiler fans are getting now. I know everybody's probably ready to throw their radio out the window if they're listening to this at home because nobody wants to hear that in Edmonton. Uh, but sometimes there's no way to shortcut or jump the string, so to speak, on the process. I, I, Evan Bouchard is going to be a very good player in the National Hockey League. He's, he's got the size. 
He's got the IQ. He obviously has the shot. He's super athletic. Anything this guy touches, he's the best at. Golf, hit a baseball, whatever it is. There's a lot to like in him. Now, the one negative that's been said about him is that, you know, there's not enough get up and go. In a, yeah, there's not urgency. Excitement. Urgency. Yeah, urgency. Thank you. Part of that is because when he played in London, and you know this happens, Bob, in junior, yep. and you're so much better than everybody else, you kind of call your own shots. It's not really conducive for how to play in the NHL. It's a negative. And that has to be broken out of him, and I think Edmonton's doing a good job of working through that process. We're joined right. 110% all the time at the NHL level. Yeah, absolutely. We're joined right now by the NHL Network's Brian Lawton, Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. All right, I'm going to throw a bit of a curve at you here. So the Oilers, you know, I, I, I think they have to change sort of the complexion, the makeup, and the mix of their defense, uh, improve their transition game. Um, they've got some young defensemen coming. And by the way, uh, I'll ask you a quick one here. Would you, if you had, I might have asked you this last week, Caden Dooley is sitting there, um, and he's, you know, big six foot two left shot defenseman. A lot of people have him in the top 15 in the draft. I think if Prince Albert, if there had been playoff games, I think it worked against the major junior kids that scouts didn't get to see him play in the playoffs. Uh, if you, if the Oilers had Goulet 10th or 11th, and he was the best available player left at 14, even though they've drafted defensemen the last two years, would you still take him or would you look at drafting a forward? Wouldn't hesitate to take him. You would not. Have- That's just me. I, I'm no. I'm predisposed to defensemen. I just think that I, I can manufacture forwards in this league. You know, we're in Tampa. We traded for Teddy Purcell. He ended up being a 60-point player. He was an extra player for L.A. Didn't even really get in the lineup. What I can't manufacture is good D. You never can have enough good D. Look at the teams that are having success in the playoffs. I mean, look at Columbus what they're doing. They're in overtime right now, by the way, with yeah. Tampa. Tampa came back and tied that game up for all the listeners out there. But still, they're doing it on the backs of their defensive game and particularly their two-star defensemen. And David Savard deserves some credit and that whole decor those does, though. But if Edmonton builds an above-average D, they'll win a Stanley Cup. They're just not well, there yet. Yeah, and I mean, you got McDavid and Drysaddle up front. Obviously, the Oilers need to add a little bit up front. That goes without saying. They got four top six forwards right now. Uh, the Maple Leafs have got Andreas uh, Johnson as well as Kasperi Kapanen that are kind of middle six forwards in the, the threes. They could maybe use a right shot defenseman. Some have suggested Larson, and people would say, well, how would you replace Larson? So I'm going to ask you a question about Tyson Berry. Uh, he had a difficult campaign in Toronto this year. Um, he, to me, he'd be an ideal power play quarterback that could maybe reduce the minutes for a guy like Clefbaum, get him down to 22 minutes, and Clefbaum was fine. The Oilers had the best power play in the league in 40 years, Brian. Uh, I know you've watched Tyson a lot over the years. Do you have any time for him as a defenseman? I had a lot of time for Tyson Berry. I think he's a tremendous player. He really proved to me, particularly his last year in Colorado, that he can play at playoff time at a high level. I was always concerned about him being able to defend in that type of environment. I would have no concern about it with him. Whatever happened in Toronto this year, throw it in the garbage. It just never never got on track for Tyson there. Uh, his stock would be down. 
it would have been a huge disappointment, obviously, with people there for him. And you always have to take responsibility as a player. But, boy, it was such an anomaly. <laughs> if I were a GM, I certainly would be looking and saying, I'm going to throw that year out the window. Where is this guy really at? Because Tyson can defend. He can play in lockdown games. And his skill level is superior. He would be amazing with the Oilers as a distributor. They don't have anybody really like that that's a defenseman on their team right now. Right, and that's my point, is I want to see an improved transition game. We're uh, joined right now by Brian Lund. I found your comments interesting. You can manufacture forwards, and that's something that Ken Holland's going to have to do here uh, this year. You can't do that with goaltenders, and we've seen some interesting things happen this year. You know, Bennington got the start in the playoffs, even though Jake Allen outplayed him uh, during the regular season. Um Suddenly, St. St. Louis's ears have perked up, and they've came, you know, come back from two nothing down, and uh, and then Dallas, uh, Anton Hudobin. I kind of I'm looking at Calgary a bit here, and, and and Cam Talbot's played pretty well, but I know there was some criticism in the Edmonton market from a, a couple people about the leadership abilities at this stage, and maybe the defensive responsibility uh, with McDavid and, and Drysaddle. Those guys produced. There's no debate about that. No one would deny that they didn't produce. How'd you like to be in the shoes of the Calgary Flames and Brad Trail? I mean, if the Flames can't, you know, Dallas is up 3-2 now in that series, Brian. Goodrow and Monaghan do not have an even strength point in that series against Dallas. Um, if they lose, do you foresee a possible shakeup with one of those two players? I do. I really think that the cat's a little bit out of the bag on Johnny Goodrow. He's got, what, six points in the playoffs, five of them on the PP, one even strength in all the games. Uh, it's not the first year. It's really the second year in a row where it's gone south. Uh, it's concerning. It is very, very concerning. And Sean Monahan, uh, not much better. Not much better. These guys are dynamos in the regular season, but until you do it in the playoffs, uh, it's going to scare the heck out of your GM. Is Brad Tree Living going to definitely trade those guys? Am I saying that? No, absolutely not. First off, he'd be trying to make a move when what we're saying everybody else knows in the business. So it's not exactly a position of strength. Um, it's not unheard of that they couldn't make a move. I look at some of the teams that have a lot of salary cap. And that's certainly a possibility, but that doesn't mean a New Jersey or a Buffalo or a Montreal is going to pay through the roof to get a Johnny Goodrow. So my suspicion is that Brad Treveling would be on to that. He'd be thinking about it. He may even want to do it, but he's not going to, mostly because he's not going to see a great market, certainly uh, for Goodrow. I think it would be a little more open for Monaghan, though. I think people oh. would have a little more time there. Well, he's a center, obviously, Goodrow's away. I mean, just with New Jersey, he's from there. Everybody's kind of linked him to there in the past. But Jack Hughes is a small guy. Heischer's not yeah, – I, I like Heischer's two-way game already. I I don't know if – you know, I, I, it's, maybe it's too early to judge Jack Hughes. I'm the guy that thinks Kirby Dock's going to be better than Jack long-term. Uh, but, you know, which is not to say that Jack couldn't be an 80- or 90-point guy one day. But two smaller centermen, and then if you got Goodrow – and I'm not a I'm not a guy that says every forward has to be six foot two, six foot three, but I, I just wonder a bit about the makeup overall of their team and what else they have if they go down that path with Goodrow as well, because a lot of people have linked him to New Jersey, as you know. Yeah, it sounds like one of those moves that would bring a lot of media attention, but they also have yes for Brat, 
who's not exactly the biggest forward. Yeah. Kyle Palmieri's not the biggest guy. Um, they seem to get pushed around as a team in general, is my observation. So I'd be surprised, but, um, you know, maybe Tommy Fitzgerald feels differently. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau, I mean, got 99 points in this league in a regular season. Not too shabby. No. A lot the guy to that... like there, but without the playoffs, it's tough. And with the makeup of their team, it would be a tough move for me. That doesn't mean somebody else would love to do it. You know who they got that I like there? It's Miles Woods. Miles Wood. That kid can skate. I know he's, he, he doesn't have the, you know, he, he, he doesn't have the read and react game to play in the top six. But he's tough and he can skate. And uh, he's an aggressive player. Um, and his dad was not he quite like. He definitely is tough, Bob. He, he definitely is tough. He definitely has size. He definitely can skate. He's definitely a little aggressively priced at 275. <laughs> right. That would be the only negative I would say. I think he's. There's a lot to like there, but occasionally he'll slip to the fourth line. Yeah. And for a younger player. You don't want to be caught paying just under $3 million. Well, I mean, we're looking at the... Between third and fourth honor. You know, Brian, we're looking at the defense here with the Oilers, and Chris Russell and, and Matt Benning both proved again in the playoffs they can play in the NHL. But $6 million combined for a third pairing for an Oilers team that's going to have to get creative to add some offense and some depth at the forward spot in the top six and, and or top nine and potentially... Uh, look at changing out their goal as well. It becomes a tad problematic. Brian, as always, we appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us on Oilers Now. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you. You bet. It is 12.54 in Edmonton. We will take... I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. A quick time out. Uh, But when we come back, uh, we'll get to the Orders Now injury report. You're listening to Orders Now. Subscribe to the Oilers Now podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. Oilers Now with Bob Stopper on 630 Chad. 12.56 in Edmonton. This text comes in. It's a dual text. He says, Bob, I would love to have Brendan Gallagher still choke. The Oilers weren't smart enough to draft him from KS. Well, they definitely discussed him in the 2010 draft year and uh, part of the issue at that time is there was a real emphasis on size in the organization uh, that was mandated Steve Tamalini that was his, I mean remember Cameron Abney you know, going in the third round of 2009 there was a thought that the orders were too small in around 0709 and needed to get bigger players and uh, went down that path they weren't the only organization and Tamby wasn't the only manager that felt that that was the case obviously uh, Pete Chiarelli uh, liked the bigger players as well another texter says Bob I'm impressed 
just uh, with uh, Ryan Pollock in 2012, maybe more so than Mark Stone and Michael Furlan. I thought they were going to be, um, I thought he was going to be better than he turned out to be, but a good defenseman nonetheless. Well, he's a real good defenseman. Nobody thought Mark Stone was going to turn out to be as good as he is. Six round pick, come on. And Furlan's been hurt a bit, uh, but Pollock went 15th. He's a pretty good player. All right, off to the injury report. It is brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. And back at the 630 Jet Studios, Brendan F. Scott. Okay, Nick Schmaltz and Connor Garland both questionable for today's elimination game against Colorado. Schmaltz hurt in their July exhibition game, has not played since, while Garland was hurt in game four and then missed practice yesterday. Cal Clutterbuck left yesterday's game four uh, with the Islanders after taking a low check from Radko Gudis. He did not return. Questionable right now, as is Bruins forward David Pasternak, who says that he feels much better today and will be a game-time decision puck drop. It, against Carolina is a 2 p.m. at Ched time. And then Matthew Kachuk missing another game for the Flames yesterday, Bob. Game six is tomorrow, the time yet to be determined. Yeah, great point by you. They're a different-looking team without Kachuk. I mean, Kachuk's been their most impactful forward this season. Uh, last year, good around the 99-point campaign, but Kachuk's been their driver up front. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Kerry McCarthy. They're in overtime, Columbus and Tampa. They're two minutes in, four for the score. If Tampa uh, gets the overtime, time winner. They knock Columbus out of the series. Columbus is outshot Tampa 40-22. Kerry McCarthy up next. Global news weather traffic update. And then David Staples call to hockey when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.